Thank you, JT. And man, that's great. What can wash away my sins? And nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. What a great looking crew, uh, crew here this morning, especially wonderful to see all those young faces out there. And uh, we're going to recognize a little bit of them as we work our way through the service today. It's back to school Sunday. And we'll see if we got things going here that might work. Hope so. Yeah, there we go. Take a moment. I'll let that soak in. The longer you look at it, the, the, the cuter it gets, doesn't it? Somebody said, best back-to-school picture ever. And I tend to agree with that. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to find ourselves this morning. There's a lot of us here with uh, images in our mind, if not in our photo album, of our children stepping off to school at certain times. That first time or that first time to a new school. And uh, we're here today to celebrate back to school. It, uh, it is a unique time of year, though. It's kind of interesting how this becomes such a cultural event as back to school. But it is important, and it's important enough for, for us as a church to address it. I think it takes some biblical perspectives, and I hope today to give you some, uh, some of that. I will promise every parent here I will send you back with homework. So, uh, students... Every once in a while, ask your mom or dad, have you done your homework, mom? And I hope they'll think of what we're going to talk about today. Back to school for a lot of kids is really the great time, isn't it? And then there's some others. When back to school just sends shivers up their spine. And uh, it is uh, an interesting time for us to, to recognize. I want to do that this morning to recognize some folks. I want to start with the faculty, staff, and administration. So here's what I'm aiming for. All the people who work anywhere in a school system, including homeschoolers, and uh, we want to recognize you as a congregation. So if you will, will you stand, please? I know there's several here this morning. Anywhere in the school. All right, well, that deserves a round of applause, I think, for this group, for sure. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't, nobody said you can sit down. Simon did not say you can sit down. I'm just looking for a second, make sure I'm like, I think we're okay. For those of you standing, you qualify today for a gift bag. And uh, out in the lobby, at the lobby desk there, you'll see some brightly colored bags. And I'm not sure how they're going to distribute them, you may have to show an ID or something, but um, they'll be at the lobby desk, make sure you pick up one today. And accept it as just a simple uh, thank you gift from our church from our congregation uh, to let you know that we're thinking about you and looking forward to a great year, and we're praying for you too as we think our way through this. So uh, thank you very much. Now Simon says you may be seated. Now the fun part, right? Let's recognize some of our young people. We have them here with us today, elementary and up. Uh, the preschoolers are still in their uh, respective places, um, but uh, we just uh, found it better to, to leave them and let them enjoy that time together. Uh, so elementary students and parents, you may have to nudge them a little bit here. We want our elementary students to stand. If you're going to be in that first grade through fifth grade world this year, or maybe first grade through sixth grade. Now, some of you have to raise your hands because some people are looking around and they don't see you over the people. Isn't that a great looking group? Okay. Oh, yeah, there they are raising their hands. See, they know how to do this school stuff. All right. Thank you, everybody. That's wonderful. All right, let's go to the middle schoolers. Depending on what school you're at, I've known middle school to go fourth grade through 
uh, seventh grade or eighth grade kind of depends. Middle schoolers? Okay, yeah, they're gradually getting there. A few of them got nudged, I saw. Well, this is a great age of life, too. Thank you. We're, we're a round of applause for you, too. High schoolers? This group, you, you hard to miss them, right? Wonderful. Let me, let me tell you that there are parents here today of these young, wonderful young people standing up saying, boy, it just seemed like yesterday my kids were in the elementary group standing up, I promise you. So thank you. We're very proud of all of you. What a great group of young people. And then lastly, our college bunch. I know we've got some of those here, too. Who's, who's going to be in college, already in college this year, doing something? we got, we got a variety of some of those. Okay, everybody's looking around. we we got just a couple standing, but I know there's a few others in our congregation, so we wish you well and hope you have a good year also. Part of what um, we're looking forward to this school year of doing is... Um, introducing to you as our congregation some partner ministries that we're going to be working with as a church and going to be finding ways in which we can partner with because these are ministries whose primary target is the schools, public schools and private schools in some cases. And they're ministering through avenues and through organizations that are already well-established, that are biblically-based, and that have an opportunity and even an invitation to come to the public schools, to come to those settings, and to engage the young people with the truth of God's Word, to minister to them. And we think that fits well with what we want to do also. And so this year, I want to introduce you to three particular, and one uh, at a different level. Um, I want to introduce you to Young Life. Young Life works, as, and I, what I've got up there is their mission statement. I'll let you read it. But Young Life works uh, primarily. We're partnering with Young Life their representative, Petey Fabian, uh, and he's ministering to the young people at Northern Guilford and Northwest. He, he pairs those two school campuses together for the purpose of getting activities planned and things done off campus. So he spends his ministry time primarily on when he's on those campuses, engaging young people, building relationships and friendships, and then inviting them to off-campus things of which we will host some. So when you hear, hey, there's a Young Life event at church, you'll know where those young people are coming from, from those campuses. So that's one. Young Life also goes to college level, too. Another one is Campus Life, which is an extension of Campus Crusades for Christ. We have been working with Campus Life for the last two-plus years uh, in many ways, doing several things with them, and uh, we are looking forward to extending that relationship. Uh, Rick O'Hare was a name that um, many knew and recognized. Rick is uh, retiring out of that position, and in his place will step or is stepping Samuel Doster, and Campus Life is going to be, we're going to be hosting an event for them here tomorrow morning. So let me extend you the invitation that tomorrow morning at 6.30, we're going to be out here in front of the church getting things set up because at 7 o'clock we've got a bunch of middle school young people and their families going to be coming here for a first day of school, uh, sort of a handout. We're going to share some donuts and some goodies, some breakfast goodies with them. And we're going to do it all out in the parking lot. And uh, they're going to make a stop by here on their way to campus. And so come join us tomorrow morning if you want to at 6.30 to 7. We'll take all the smiling faces we can get. And uh, you're welcome to come and share that with us. We'll be here at about 8.30 probably. So campus life is one. 
Another one that many of us would know or recognize is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, Eddie Miller, no relation to me, uh, but uh, Eddie Miller is uh, a missionary we support and have supported for many years uh, through our missions program. He works also with Northern Guilford and, of course, uh, aiming primarily at their um, athletic program to get coaches to create an opportunity to share the gospel and, and be a team chaplain, team mentors to create regular Bible studies with their athletes. And so well, we know the importance of that ministry. Uh, part of that got cut off at the bottom there. Sorry for that. The uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes is now the world's largest distributors of Bibles. You know, for many decades, the Gideons held that honor. What's happened, though, is the Gideons have found many closed doors. They cannot go on the campuses like they used to. And so now Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is a worldwide organization operating at the high school, middle school, and college level, is able to get onto those campuses. And so they're now taking the place of distributing Bibles or taking the work of distributing Bibles to so many there. So maybe many of you um, have experienced one or more of those ministries in your time. Let me introduce you to also to a new ministry we're very excited about getting started here in a couple of weeks, and that's with Rockingham Community College. I'm just curious among our congregation, how many people here have some connection with Rockingham Community College? You were a student, your children, a few have even worked there, I know. Well, let me tell you what Rockingham is going to allow us to do starting in a couple of weeks. We are going to be having a weekly on-campus Bible study for the students there. Rockingham is, of course, the closest college campus to our church and the easiest one for, for us to access. And when they were approached about this opportunity, they were very welcoming. They said there is nothing like this happening on our campus. So we see it as a wide open mission field to go. And so we're waiting to get some details worked out, but by the middle of September, we hope to announce we're gonna be doing a weekly Bible study on campus with their young people there. Now to do this, we're partnering with an organization called Collegians for Christ. Collegians for Christ operates in uh, universities across our country. There are 19 states here in North Carolina. They're at North Carolina State, East Carolina, App State, and UNC Charlotte, plus Pitt Community College. And so we're working toward that relationship with them to build up some of our resources necessary for, um, for effective ministry on that campus. So you'll hear more about them moving forward also. So these are ones that I want to introduce to you because what you're going to hear and see are announcements on our weekly announcements as events happen. And we'll just, we're just going to make you aware that they're happening, and sometimes we may even say, hey, if you want to come join in, you're welcome to. But we are glad to open up our facility, and all these ministries have been here, and they've seen what we've got to offer, and we hope to make it a great year for the ministry of reaching into the, to our local school campuses. The Northern Guilford campuses, of course, is where our church sits, and an opportunity to reach across uh, to RCC is also going to be a great opportunity for us. So we're looking forward to that. We're in Luke chapter 2. We tend to think of Luke chapter 2 as the Christmas story. Well, yeah, once you read past a bunch of the early part of the chapter, you get to a little further into the life of Christ. And today I want to use this as a starting off point in two verses to remind us a little bit as we'll look at some other verses, about the biblical perspective of education. So now that we're all there, allow me to pray as we start. Father, thank you for this moment. It will pass quickly, but we pray we will use it well, and that we will see from your word the encouraging truths about education and the importance of it, and help us to glean from this your direction, your guidance. I pray for the 
parents, for the grandparents, for these students, uh, as they begin this new school year. May it be a great year. May it be a successful year in all aspects. And we pray your hand will be upon our church as we continue to minister uh, and partner with others who are ministering to this community. Help us to do that well and to seek your wisdom and your direction in it. And we pray you'll bless our few moments now in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2 verse 40 speaks to us about the growth and development of the Christ child. And you can see this even used here. And the child grew, it says. Jesus, speaking of Jesus, and waxed strong in spirit, as the King James says it, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. That was even as a child. You know, that infant to toddler stage of life. It was evident. Have you ever pondered much about what the child Jesus would have been like? As a five-year-old, as an eight-year-old, as a ten-year-old. I imagine Jesus, based upon what the scripture says and what we know of him, as a very son of God come in human form, that he was a unique child to have in the community, probably. If you were to ask the neighborhood families, what do you think of this little Yeshua ben Joseph, Jesus, the son of Joseph, they would have said, wow, what a great little kid. He's always helpful. He always smiles and he always speaks such good words. He always seems so respectful and, and, and so focused on other people. I mean, just unusual. I have to wonder. I want to pull out four things from this verse, though, just briefly, because we'll move to the next verse. I want to look, look at that verse again and see these words or these ideas. It tells us Jesus grew. That's a physical growth implied there. Jesus did what all humans do. They go from this stage to this stage to this stage, and he grew physically. It's a very normal part, obviously, of our expectation of a child to grow and develop their physical skills from crawling to walking to running to kicking to jumping, all those skills. I don't think they had bicycles in the day of Jesus, but you get the idea. He grew physically. He waxed strong in spirit. And notice the spirit there is the, uh, in the text is a lowercase s. It's the idea he was a he had a wonderful spirit about him. It's a social expression. He engaged others as he grew. You've seen children as I have who just don't meet a stranger. They wave at you in the restaurant and they'll say hey to you when you're waiting in line at the grocery store. They just, they just are expressive in their social engagement. They're very comfortable there. He also was filled with wisdom. This applies to his mental development, his mental growth. Jesus grew as a child. He wasn't a five-year-old that Understood everything because, he was, because of his natural lim, uh, limitations of being human. He was growing mentally. Thinking skills, understanding skills were just a part of his growth as any human child would be. The grace of God was upon him. A great expression of the spiritual reality that Jesus, even the child, was the very son of God. And that in that reality, there was a spiritual environment to his life. Jesus would have heard his father, Joseph, pray the prayers for the family. He would, they would have observed the, the Sabbath, the Shabbat, every week, the seventh day of rest. They would have attended the, the uh, local synagogue and heard the priest. Jesus himself, as a young man in certain situations, in certain places, would have even attended what would be um, a synagogue school of sorts to learn 
uh, to read and read uh, the Torah, the Old Testament, uh, portions of the Old Testament. You have to wonder about what it meant for the life of Jesus growing up spiritually. But we know from other passages of Scripture, his family attended the Passover every year. We know that his, his family, as a Jewish family, would have followed those rituals and those expectations and understandings of what it meant to be um, a follower of Yahweh. So Jesus, verse 40 of chapter 2. Go to the very last verse of chapter 2, verse 52. Verse 52 sounds similar, Jesus increased. Now it's not the child, this is Jesus. We can put a time frame to this because it happens right after the event of him being um, uh, in Jerusalem there with the scribes and the, the rabbis. And, it's, and that's, that's at 12. And this chapter ends with this conclusion. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Now he's about 12. He increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased in favor with God and in favor with man. Do you hear four elements there? They sound familiar, don't they? He increased wisdom is the mental part. He astounded those who were experts in the law. He had insights that weren't just human insights. It was divine insight that was beginning to be shared and expressed. Jesus had a sharp mind. Look at the, the engagements he has verbally, the debates he has, the reactions he initiates with his words, and the words where the Scripture would say others' testimony of Jesus, never a man spoke as this man, spoke as one having authority. He grew in stature, physically. And in growing in stature, he developed not only his physical body, but he also developed skills. And the necessary elements of, of a healthy physical body. He grew in favor with God. We can't understand, I don't believe, the depths of that phrase, but we do know that there was still a spiritual element that was part of Jesus' expression of who he was and who he would be as the rabbi of all rabbis, the teacher. And then favor with man. Jesus engaged people socially, did he not? So much so that he was criticized for that. The Pharisees were quick to say, why is he hanging around with the riffraff of the community? Why is he hanging around with the, the people that we turn our nose to? Jesus was there. He was willing to reach those who had been unreached. And what we see in all of this, in both these verses, are these four elements. And I submit to you, as I've said for year after year of this, because I always come back to these two verses, at some point in time, to say, parents and grandparents, what does it mean to educate your child well? It means to educate them mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Those are the four things. The model is laid out plainly for how Jesus himself grew and developed. And when we think about education, we've got to find a balance with all four of those. Sad to say, many people will look at one or two, and they'll ignore one or two. But the reality is a good biblically-based model for education addresses all four, including the spiritual. And of course, much of the culture has turned their back on the spiritual. They just, well, we'll do the mental, the physical, and the social skills and all these things, but not the spiritual. That's why I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to partner with these ministries that are reaching into the school campuses 
in, in t trying to infuse that spiritual element to the education of these young people in our community. So you get the model. And the model works when the child is young and you're still carrying them and swinging them and enjoying them all the way to the point where they reach young adult and adulthood. The model works. But it means, parents, you have to have a perspective of the model. And you have to be willing to evaluate your model of education for your children. You are the primary responsibility for the education of your child. Now, the choices are in, are in, your, are in your lap. You've got to make the decision. Do they go to this school or this school? Do we keep them home and homeschooled? Do we partner with something over here, with something over here? Then how do, we, how do we make sure the model works? Where do we integrate the spiritual into that? How do we integrate it? How do we make the balance? There's not a parent in the world who doesn't realize the stresses on our time and demands and energy. I mean, we've all been there and done it. And so you have to make conscious decisions and set your priorities accordingly. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself kind of tripping through it all and wondering where did it all go, and that's really not the intended outcome of what my children intended to be. I intended for them to be when they were so little because we ignore the model. The model works because it's of God. I'm convinced of that. Let me ask you this question. What, how would you complete this statement? Education is useless without. Fill in the blank. Some people say, well, education is useless without a big building and a nice gym and wonderful ball fields and all the technology. Some people say, oh, education is useless without technology. After all, they have, to, they have to know how to do all this stuff with computers and laptops and tablets and phones. Some people say, oh, education, you cannot have education without ball teams. All the schools have to have ball teams. I've got to have a place to go on Friday night for the game, and I've got to have something for my kids to be involved in and, and build their social lives around.